With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Thanks for being a part of the Fearless Army. Drop us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. And when you do, ask me a question in the comments. Each week, we'll compile your best questions and answer them on air. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I'm Jason Whitlock, your host. Happy Friday. We made it through another week. Have an awesome show, awesome guest for you today. Daniel Horowitz is going to join us. I'm going to let uh, Daniel Horowitz, an editor with The Blaze and great writer, uh, educate me and my audience, our audience, on his perspective of what's going on with Israel and Hamas and Palestine and, and just the whole Middle East. And, and so, you know, we've been talking about it all week. I wanted to hear a different perspective. I told you guys at the outset, hey, I'm no expert on any of this stuff. I can only talk to you from my vantage point and about how it impacts what's going on here in America. Daniel can give us a vantage point from a Jewish perspective and from, an, from an, someone that spent time in Israel uh, knows the area well. He's going to give us a more expert opinion. So I look forward to that. Uh, before we get to Daniel, I want to take care of one of our great new sponsors, the Association of Mature American Citizens. There's an organization, not, not AMAC, but there's an organization out there that still backs Obamacare, gun control, and extreme transgender policies that endanger our children. And while they claim to be bipartisan, the truth is that last year 95% of their donations went to Democrats. That organization is AARP, and it doesn't represent the values of American seniors. Fortunately, there is a conservative alternative, AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, proudly champions Americans' rights to free speech, religious liberty, and the Second Amendment. AMAC is the leading conservative advocacy and benefits organization and defends parents' rights to protect their children. Joining gives you access to special low rates on cell phones and plans, health and wellness products, travel and lodging, vision, dental, prescription drugs. So join today. Let's send AARP a strong message that they don't represent conservative seniors. Join AMAC today at amac.us slash fearless. That's amac.us slash fearless. I'm a lifetime member. Come join me. So as I said, we want to get some expertise on Israel. And as I've admitted to everybody, I'm no expert. Uh, But thankfully, we have Daniel Horowitz, the senior editor at Blaze Media, host of the Conservative Review podcast, Uh, Many of you know Daniel from his work with Steve Dace on COVID, uh, but Daniel's one of the smartest guys working at The Blaze. Uh, Honored to have him uh, with us today to provide some insight into Israel. Uh, Daniel, I've shared with everybody, I'm no expert, and so I want to start with this five-minute package that CBS and 60 Minutes did on Israel three weeks ago. And, and, and then I just want you to explain to me if, if, if I'm wrong for thinking uh, this could potentially be connected in some way to the events that went on with Hamas. And I, I get, anyway, I want you to walk me through or talk sure. me out of any of my conspiracy theories <laughs> or whatever. But <laughs> let's start by playing the five minute uh, 60 minutes package, and then we'll begin our discussion. Let's let's watch this. 60 minutes overtime. 
This week on 60 Minutes, we travel to Israel to report on the historic protests against the Netanyahu government's proposed judicial overhaul. This legislation would weaken the Supreme Court's power, eliminating checks and balances put upon the government's authority. We arrived in the Middle East in the dead of August, but the sweltering heat didn't stop the tens of thousands of Israelis from spending their Saturdays taking to the streets in protest. In fact, it was so crowded, we even lost our crew a few times. There was loud music, singing, and chanting from people of all ages and organizations. We spent some time with the Brothers and Sisters in Arms, a group of Israeli army reservists who stopped showing up for duty and are now fighting what they call a war within the country. Did you ever dream that you'd be doing this within the society? Never. Not even nine months ago, not even three months ago, and it's a situation that is deteriorating so fast, we could never believe. Ron Scherf is one of the founding members and leaders of Brothers and Sisters in Arms. He spent 33 years in the military, including as a special forces commander. We're defending Israel against danger, and now the danger is from inside. That's what we feel. Does it kind of break your heart? Yes, much, much so, yes. Members of the group brought their skills, common military backgrounds, and extreme dedication to the cause. Ron, you're one of the founders of Brothers in Arms. Uh, you're one of the leaders now. How much time are you spending on this? I'm spending 80% in my job and 80% in the process. <laughs> That's what I say. <laughs> but in reality, how much time are you spending on this? Everyday hours, at night, in the morning, when I drive the car, all the time. Wow. Really, well, it's all the time. What do you actually do during the week? I mean, these protests are Saturday nights, so... We have conversations with the coalition and the opposition and everybody. We have the exhibitions of, and the protests, special protests. We go to different rallies to, to speak. We have meetings with the different groups. So it's a... Uh, it's full time. We're building an organization and uh, it's full time. I heard this. Lawyers standing by to come in case you're, you are arrested? Voluntary, yes. One of the groups is a voluntary guy to support legally and emotionally people who get detained and arrested. Everybody is trying to do what they're best at. Shira Etting was a combat helicopter pilot in Israel's Air Force. Okay. So you have some of the reservists that are parts of Brothers in Arms are lawyers and others are psychologists and others like me give speeches and other are great engineers, so they build the exhibitions. Everybody's doing what they're good at. We spoke with the architect of the judicial overhaul, Yariv Levine. He's the justice minister and vice prime minister of Israel. And he says this judicial reform is necessary in order to rein in a judiciary that has too much power. The protesters say that you are destroying democracy in Israel. What is your response? Of course, I respect uh, the opinions of those who are uh, seeing my reform as uh, something that could do any harm. But I can assure you that the fears are completely baseless. Current situation in Israel is the judicial system is completely controlled by a group, an allied group, more than half of the Israeli population finds itself as if the judicial system is something that is almost against them. The Supreme Court held a hearing on the judicial overhaul last week, but a ruling is not expected for weeks or even months. And so the brothers and sisters in arms will continue to protest. I'm fighting for the right of my children to live here in the future. And for my parents who are worried that the miracle that they were part of building is going to be destroyed. And I'm afraid of unlimited power by the government. This is what's driving me.
So, Daniel, I hear someone say they're afraid of unlimited power by the government. That's a fear that I have <laughs> here in America. And, and, and then a month later, there's an atrocity that occurs that yep. will probably hand more power to the government. That's what has me confused, cautious. I don't know. Obviously, an atrocity happened, but I'm just afraid of how much freedom, privacy, power we keep handing over to the government. And, and so am I crazy for worrying about so, this? So I, I think, Jason, that five-minute segment there is everything that led to this, except for the exact opposite reason. First of all, notice the rainbow flag there. So let's let's go back to what happened there. It's the same thing in America. We're subverting democracy. But who's saying that, right? The left and the deep state is saying Trump subverted democracy. So we need to protect democracy. You know, Jason, like, vaccine mandates, like taking people who stepped foot into the Capitol and did nothing else and locked them up for 18 months pre-trial. That's protecting democracy. So they use the same playbook there. To be clear, those people protesting, they're leftists. It was Soros and State Department funded a color revolution against Netanyahu um, and subverted them within. And what happens is when you get subverted within, you're weak uh, to external enemies. Uh, same thing as in America, the defense and intel establishment literally engage in civil disobedience, just like against Trump, against Netanyahu, um, and said that they weren't wouldn't abide by it. So you're starting to see the pattern of how the wheels came off of the command and control of defense and intel. Now, I think in order to get into this discussion, you have to understand on this issue, which is I'm very well qualified to talk about it because my first book was about judicial supremacism, stolen sovereignty in America. Their judicial supremacism, and Robert Bork wrote about this in his book years ago, is a hundred times worse than America. It's an oligarchy. So what happens is that the, the way Israel's system is, the parliament is worthless. The Supreme Court has a veto power over everything and they could affirmatively dictate policy. You don't need rules of standing like a legitimate case in controversy. And they have a final say over everything. They're the final arbiter. So it's judicial exclusion and ju judicial uh, supremacism. But it's worse than that. See, at least in our country, the, the kind of judicial supremacists, they have to at least pretend to assert, hey, this is pursuant to the 14th Amendment or this. And they bastardize those provisions, but they have to assert it. Israel has no written constitution. So they're able to say this is imprudent. I don't like this. This is stupid. This is hateful. So done. I'm not done yet. Now you say, all right, but the, so then it's a ju judicial oligarch. Well, the one thing the Knesset could do is at least pick who are the ultimate leaders. No, they get to pick their replacements. So all he did, it was a very modest reform that didn't even bring it in line with the American system. It's still more judicial supremacism than than America. But it would say, you know, Knesset has to pick the the uh, reforms, you have to have some sort of um, kind of legal underpinning to strike down a law. That's it. That was the whole thing. Nothing more, nothing less. When the left talks about democracy, they mean they decide. You know, J Jason, you're subverting democracy. You're not getting a vaccine. You're killing other people. I mean, that it is the same mentality. A lot of people are very confused about the players. And the Biden administration set Israel on fire. They isolated them by, uh, you know, basically rather than what Trump did, which is ally the Sunni nations with Israel against Iran. Biden undid all that, went down the Obama route of alluring uh, the Iranian hegemony along with Qatar against Israel, funded Hezbollah, funded Iran, funded Hamas up the wazoo, and then for the first time ever, the State Department took a side on a domestic policy issue and Soros and others helped fund all these NGOs because that does not happen organically. I mean, Israel is a country of of nine million people. That's a lot of people to bring out. A few hundred thousand is a lot of people to bring out. 
Um, now, Israel always had a left, always had a big divide like every Western democracy now grapples with. And what what our country, what our government did was work with the left to subvert Netanyahu. Now, look, I think he's kind of old. He needs to pass it on to a new, more effective right leaning leader so the left doesn't get control. There's issues there. But to be clear, it wasn't Israel being authoritarian and there were these freedom fighters. These were leftists. They have the same problem we have with, um, as, as Trump talked about, generals that have been reduced to rubble was his line. They have the same deep state, same problem. And then lo and behold, now when you divide the country into civil war, which the Biden administration absolutely did and was responsible for, guess what? They're asleep at the switch. There's still a lot of questions. Um, but they were focused more internally. Netanyahu really did not have control. You know, one more point, Jason, they were getting the pilots to start to rebel. The pilots are everything in Israel. They rely on the air power. That's that's the thing. So the pilots are king. I mean, they, they could control everything. They, they were undermining the command and control at the seams. So, you know, a lot of my allies, I think, are a little bit confused. They're like, oh, wait, is it a left wing Israeli government contriving a crisis to then take control? I mean, no, it's the left that supplanted it. The Biden administration that a created internal fissure and b externally isolated Israel created the circumstances for Hamas to be able to do that. And, and they're left holding the bag. I mean, it's prima facie. What you see is what you get. I mean, I know a lot of people, and I'm a little bit surprised, too, that media has been anti-Israel for eons. So it's a little bit like, whoa, am I missing something? They're kind of a little bit sympathetic. But I mean, I think it's just the shocking nature of the atrocity. I do believe that once Israel starts their operation, as it always happens, the media will turn on them. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Really appreciate this and, and make sure you're talking to someone who, who knows very little as it relates to Israel. And so I really appreciate this. How you're basically arguing that Israel, I need to be looking at this the same way I look at America is like we're vulnerable yep. because we've allowed our open borders Yes. We're vulnerable because our yes. military has leaned into diversity, equity, and inclusion, woke. and transgender. No, notice the rainbow woke. flag. Did you see that rainbow flag in that video? Yep. But, okay, so I, I get my lack of knowledge or, or lack of understanding, but can you understand, and don't tell me what I want to hear. Be completely honest sure. with me. Don't, don't, you, don't, you don't need to protect my feelings. Can you understand... Given all the secrecy that has ruled over America the last 60 years, starting with JFK's assassination and 9-11 and, and the explanations we got for that and weapons of mass destruction and a 20-year war, can you understand why me and other people, our initial reaction is like, hey, what's going on here? There's constantly yep. these crises and we yep. never... No, yep. until years yep. later, yep. what's really going on? Yeah. I mean, Jason, you you're talking to I someone who way? believes you're talking to someone who believes our government purposely unleashed the virus, unleashed a deadly fake vaccine that killed so many people. I mean, and then the Ukraine stuff, I can go on and on the BLM stuff. I mean, look, but it this actually ties in the other direction. Here's the thing. You have to start with prima facie what you know. And, and let me just give a preface. We can't be French revolutionists. You have to, we can't be reactionary. Well, okay, well, the neocons are saying this and he's saying that, so I'm gonna take it. Look prima facie on what is happening, what you believe. What Here's what I agree with. 
What you have to be careful is where you take this focus and rhetoric that you don't repeat the same mistakes of 9-11. What 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 we're not saying is, oh, and therefore let's go and I don't know, create a whole regime change in Iran or something, you know, something like that. Or, you know, turn Israel into another Ukraine, you know, where we're just uh, sending $100 billion every few months. No, 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 none of that, none of that. Things that we should be doing anyway, we should be applying and learn from there. Jihad is true. So, so one of the things that I'm finding, because I'm very sympathetic, because what you're talking about is pretty much what I've been espousing. I believe, and this is not just an America problem, it's a Western civilization problem. Every Western government without exception is rotted out. Their institutions are rotted out. It's not an America problem. And every opposition is a controlled opposition. As much as I hate the Republican Party, you go to the other countries, the conservatives in uh, in Canada or Australia, the Tories in, in England, the Christian Democrats in Germany, they're even worse. I mean, there's really no options. It's bad. It's bad. I believe that they are fomenting a lot of things. But you can't be single-minded that everything that happens in the world has to fit perfectly into it. There's no other evil. I mean, any of us who believe in the Bible understand jihad. We understand the sons of Ishmael. We understand that there are people that believe that. The CIA and the Mossad didn't make up jihad. That is a problem. Now, I would argue the two kind of ideologies that we we focus on, the concern about jihad and the concern about the Western oligarchs, they actually work in the same direction. When you have a rotted out um, Western government, which I would include Israel has the same problems, then one of the things is anarcho-tyranny. We focused a lot in the last couple of years on the tyranny angle on it. But there's the anarchy part too. They do things they shouldn't be doing and then don't do the things that they should be doing. Uh, so what you get is the anarcho-tyranny and you get a violation and a breakdown of the social compact that we don't have Western governments that represent the interests of their people. In Israel, we see it there, and here we see it here. And it's really in Europe. Um, this is a problem. But, but the question is, where do we take that? Jihad is a problem. But you know why it's a problem? It's a problem because Western governments brought it in. Brought it in. You know, I did a piece at The Blaze. I, I counted up the green cards we've issued in from 2001 to 2018. I haven't done it in a couple of years. It's a little bit outdated. But over those 18 years, I count 2.3 million from predominantly Muslim countries. And before 9-11, we didn't have that much. It was starting to grow. And we had a genius idea, Jason. Let's go all over the world. Referee Sunni Shia civil wars have Baghdad Kabul urban renewal projects. And then we're going to feel bad about it and let in refugees from both sides. We've let in about 300,000 Iraqis equally divided between Sunni and Shia. So all those people you see waving the Hamas flag celebrating the, um, you know, the massacre in Dearborn. You know, a lot of those are we, we brought that in because of those policies. OK, so so is jihad a problem? You bet. Are they a threat? You bet. But what? where do we take that? The two things we don't want to do, the two mistakes we made after 9-11 is focus it there while bringing them here. And then we clamp down on, on American civil liberties. So like what you don't want to do is, for example, France, they basically let the Middle East into France, turn it. They, they, they lost control of it. And now they're violating First Amendment, saying you can't have a pro-Mas rally, which obviously as detestable as those people are, we don't want to start messing with that here because we know what they're going to do. So you can have an anti-vaccine rally and we don't want any part of that. So you don't go after civil liberties. You don't have these engagements overseas. What you do is stop importing the freaking Middle East, number one. Number two, secure your own border. And number three, just use soft power. We're not talking about engagements to unwind to really continue what Trump was doing and unwind the Biden policies, I don't think Israel – Israel's not asking for a Ukraine-like help. Just don't handcuff them. Let them do what they need to do. It doesn't – you know, we don't have to get involved in that. Stop funding Qatar and Iran. Stop funding the PLO and leave them the hell alone. Done. And focus on our own border. That That's what it is. I am not seeing an agenda. 
See, when you see the vaccines, Ukraine, there's an agenda. There's an agenda. Ukraine, it was the endless funding, money laundering, and also the um, energy because they wanted to cut off the Russian uh, exports, make us vulnerable to uh, um, the energy crisis. And then that ties into carbon zero and all that stuff. That was prima facie. COVID right away. Well, I don't know, Jason, is COVID real? Is it fake? Well, lockdown, wear a mask. You see an agenda here. I, I genuinely think that a lot of people are looking at this like, whoa, I mean, it is a big story. Now, if you start seeing an agenda, you got to be suspicious. You're right to ask questions. You should ask questions. But at the same time, we can't just assert, you know, everything fits into a model. Every last thing that occurs is all I'm trying to say is to me, this doesn't take the culpability away from Western governments. It's actually part and parcel of it. When you see thousands of rampaging pro-Hamas people in every major city, that's an indictment of these same governments that have no will to survive. We have brought it here. 9-11, Afghanistan didn't come with an air force or a navy. OK, we let them in and we allowed the Muslim Brotherhood Network to operate on our shores. And they did that. So, you know, we were frustrated, like, what do you do about it? We wanted to find a target. The target was ourselves. We did stupid things. Um, so, again, I don't people could ask questions about 9-11. There's things that don't make sense. I, I understand all that. But I think as as, you know, Christian conservatives, it's pretty clear we understand there is a biblical angle to what is going on. Um, putting aside Biden, putting aside Europe, putting aside the Israeli government, there is jihad and it is real. It's just we have to be careful that we don't use that rhetoric we used after 9-11 to be like, oh, so therefore let's, as I say, invade the world, invite the world. <laughs> no, the opposite. You stay there, we stay here. You really helped me zero in on mm -hmm. what triggered me. And, and I don't want to yep. drag you into the back and forth between Ben Shapiro sure. and I, but I, I just want to speak honestly because you've helped me out here. What triggers me is outrage, social yes. media outrage, because yes. I've seen that outrage used against us and yep. used, to make, used to propel us to make bad decisions. Yep. Bad and decisions, so one exactly. One of the strategies, yeah, one of the, uh, what I'm going to reach out to Ben and, and say this to him personally, and I'll, I'll say it to you here is that's, I was watching Ben's Twitter feed and I'm seeing so much outrage yep. that it's off putting to me. And, 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 and I get why he's outraged. I mean, again, if I, the connections yep. he has to Israel, I'm sure he's got friends yep. and family there. I get yep. it. But it's bad strategy because it's, off-putting to me because I'm like, oh, when, whenever Bingo. I see outrage, normally there Bingo. is some kind of trap door that they're going to spring on me. Yep. And so I'm literally going to write Ben and say, hey, don't curse. Let's move away from outrage and just explain because Bingo. you're giving me an explanation. Bingo. And if you come to me with an explanation removed of outrage now, because that's where we have to move as men. Too much of our societies, in my view, has become too emotional. And, and, yep. and that's all I'm really saying. Let's don't make an emotional decision. Let's don't make a decision out yep. of outrage. Bring me an explanation. And now I'm like, okay, this is from a source I trust who's connected yep. to Netanyahu in Israel, loves America. But, but when I, the outrage was just off-putting to me. And I saw it from a lot of different places. And yep. I just want the explanation. And I think that's a brilliant point, Jason. And, and this is the problem we have. We have lacked conservative leadership. We've lacked a political party. I mean, we don't have a political party that represents us. The Republican Party is a joke. And they've been so discredited. Um, a lot of voices have been wrong about the vaccines. They've been wrong about Ukraine. They've been wrong about the Iraq war. And, and, and that's the thing. And, and I understand that. I understand that. But I think there needs to be a maturity on both sides that each one needs to stop being reactionary, f uh, concocting policy based on the ricochet of not the other guy. 
let's seek affirmative truth, an affirmative agenda that is always true. And to me, in America first, national security, border and foreign policy actually works in sync with being pro-Israel and being a minimalist approach to the Middle East. Let me just give you an example. Part of the reason why a lot of people recoil, and I, 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 I'm kind of sensitive to that and feel the same way, a lot of these voices, you'll have like Lindsey Graham get up there and just set himself on fire. Like, you know, it just, just that guy has been wrong on every last thing for 25 years. I mean, it's almost like he's trolling us on purpose at this point. So, so that's a big problem. He's been wrong on every last thing. But what I'm saying is I can't be like, well, huh, Lindsey Graham likes Israel, so I must love the, you know, the PLO. That's crap. I mean, you got to you got to search affirmative truth. And and let, let me just say this. This is probably something you'll never you never heard. Jason, it's important to say, because we can't be about social media memes. We need to be focused. What are the affirmative policy outcomes we want from a given situation? And it always has to be viewed through what's best for our citizens. And a lot of people are out there. They're like, oh, for 20 years, you're this war for Israel, war for Israel. There's an irony people don't know. And this, I believe, is open source. You could probably Google it. Um, Netanyahu actually uh, said to George W. Bush, he warned him, going into Iraq is not a good idea. Um, the exact opposite, because I think people thought that 10 years prior, Saddam launched some Scud missiles at Israel during the Gulf War. So, you know, naturally they'd be for taking him out. But he wasn't a problem for it. There was a one time thing. Their ultimate enemy enemy was Iran. <laughs> look, look at what happened. We create our guys died. For the, protected the Shiites from the Sunni insurgency while Iran Shiites were planting IEDs while we protected them. It has now turned into Hezbollah Iran client state. So now you have Hezbollah not just in Lebanon and Syria, but in Iraq, too. It's a complete client state. It set off the chain reaction in Syria. Iran, Saddam was the biggest counterbalance to him. We we really screwed over Israel with that. The interventions screwed them over. And it's like, yeah, we'll give money to Israel, but we've given a, a crap ton of money to the Muslim Brotherhood through the Lebanese military, which is Hezbollah, the PLO, obviously, um, the Iran deal. It just simply pulls CENTCOM out of Qatar. We, we, what mission should we be flying there anyway? Um, stop funding the other garbage. Stop funding the Iran deal and done and stop telling is being the Israel real estate guide, telling them where they should build or own, do what you need to do. And ultimately, the lesson that we need to take is what you saw in that 15 mile radius of Gaza is the end result of the breakdown of the social compact of, I believe, in Israel's government. That's what we have to look towards when you have the by the way, the cartels do the same thing, the torture and the ripping bodies apart. They do it right across the Rio Grande River. They're right there. Um, you know, you have a border like we have. Just think about that. That's what we need to be thinking about. And one more point on that. While I am worried about all the Islamic immigration and the, and, and the visas and the open border, what I almost see is a. Um, more of an imminent threat along the lines of what Israel experiences, BLM Antifa. There's a reason why BLM put out that meme with the paragliders. They're, the wheels are churning in their brains, and it's not like we don't have proof of concept. They rampaged our streets. Now, they didn't go to the next level of going house to house and massacring people. Be very afraid of that. That So again, border, Second Amendment, Stay out of the Islamic civil wars, but don't bring them here in large numbers. Action items. To me, that's pro-Israel. You know, stop telling Israel what the hell to do. It's pro-Israel. It's most importantly America first. But again, just to be clear, foreign policy is governed by prudence and perspicacity case by case. You can't be like, I'm sick of the stupid neocons, which I am. So therefore, I'm code pink. We're not pacifists. OK, we're America first, but it doesn't mean like, 
all of a sudden I'm seeing so even some from, from some friends of mine's just this PLO crap that we never believed in. Like, just just stop. You, you don't have to be because Lindsey Graham's saying this. Therefore, I need to say that or because Ben Shapiro is saying that or because Ron Paul is saying that judge something on its own merits. And I'm telling you, we have a dearth of conservative thought. And this is what I'm trying to do at the blaze, trying to be what, affirmatively. What is it we believe in? You said something that I completely agree with, and I said it yesterday, and I, I'm sure people thought I was think I'm crazy for saying it. But everything Hamas did and tell me if I'm overcooking this, but everything Hamas did, I think Antifa is capable of doing right here in America and I say yep. that because, and I connect it to the abortion culture we have. If you're willing to crush a baby in the womb, crush his skull, and then suck it out with a tube, and that's part of your worldview and belief that that's a yep. woman's right and that's health care, and you're this far radical leftist who, who our whole regime in power has basically said, hey, you got we're partnered with Antifa yep. and BLM. We have baby terrorists right here in America, and Joe Biden keeps telling everybody, well, it's the Oath Keepers and the Proud Boys. And I'm are you kidding me? After what I've watched the last four or five years from Antifa and BLM, that's the terrorist group right here in America. I mean, the correlation is huge, and I'm sure you've seen from some of their supporters this word, decolonization. OK, that they view the reason why there's a connection there is because it basically picture Gaza is the inner city slums and then the areas around it is kind of like the, the suburbs. And what they view is that, hey, you know, all of our problems are their fault. Um, it is all their fault, not, you know, Hamas digging out the water pipes be used as, as bombs. It's not a problem within. You could start to see why this resonates with BLM. And you deserve to die and we're going to come in come to those more, you know, upscale homes and 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 just it, it is uninhibited warfare. We have the right to do anything we want. And that's the same dogma that BLM Antifa uses. I mean, look, I'm telling you, Jason, with the amount of criminals our governments as state and federal have let out over the last 10 years, I mean, your brain has to watch out what happened there. And if the bloods and the crypts and some of these dudes in the inner cities, I mean, again, it's not just the border and it's not just Islamic and these kind of rampaging pro Hamas, but that's one element. But even without that, it's the same mentality. They believe it's anti-colonialism, that it's all, you know, the white man's fault and the Israelis are kind of viewed as the white men in that area. It's a similar, it's a similar dynamic. And we have the right to, Take out our grievances uninhibitedly on 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 all your people. None of you are innocent. And 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 like you said, it's part of I call it pagan Sharia. So we often view that we on the right are religious and the left is 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 secular. But actually, we're the secular ones. Our side doesn't believe in our stated views enough. They are very religious. It's, it's pagan Sharia. They, they're willing to fight for their cause. They're willing to die for it, almost like the Islamists. And the pagan Sharia, they believe that if you disagree with them, you don't deserve to live. I mean, we watched this with the mask and the vaccine. They would say it. Um, and and you, I'm sure you remember those polls, the Rasmussen poll, when they polled Democrat voters, sometimes 40 to 60 percent, depending on the question. You deserve to be in home confinement. You deserve to have your kids taken away. I mean, you don't do what I say. So, but by the way, just to come full circle to the beginning of the show, you know what word they're going to invoke? Democracy. <laughs> they, they call that democracy. And they're not wrong, by the way. Democracy is is um, is basically uh, the rule of the jungle. I mean, it's the, the strongest men wins. Yeah. We, we believe in a constitutional republic and, you know, that's their thing. So so they want to just gain, gain control. And, and again, a judicial oligarch is very, very, very dangerous what they have there. Um, again, I mean, I'm, I'm not telling you anything new. Any conservative judicial mind that we respected has written about that for years. Robert Bork has a book on that. Israel's judicial system is nuts. Um, it is it is out of control. It's funded by Soros. And one other thing I could say is someone who's Jewish. There, there's an element of the online right that is a little bit confused here that um, 
they think that there's a bunch of Jewish globalists running the world and whatever. And I'm not going to get into that. But to the extent I could indulge that, it's not the same ones pushing Israel. They're on the other side. I mean, the Soros people are the ones that have funded all the subversion there, all the peace now. There's a famous organization that has subverted them. They, they don't believe in that. I mean, it's more the religious types that do. It, it's a it's a different. The whole coalition there is screwed up. Um, and then again, getting back to Lindsey Graham, I mean, his sentiments for Israel aren't wrong. Where he is wrong is where he just has this maniacal obsession with sending our military everywhere and to the point where he's so brainless that he his actions have basically put a noose around Israel's neck. A Shiite collar from Tehran to, to, the, to the Mediterranean through Beirut is literally because of what we did. Let me give you one more example, action item. We need to pull our thousand troops the hell out of Syria. Why are they there? There's a five-way civil war. You have al-Nusra, you have multiple Sunni groups, you have Hezbollah there, you got the Assad regime. What, the, what are you gonna accomplish there? Israel needs to do airstrikes in Damascus, Aleppo to, to blow up the Iranian shipments of, of weapons to Hezbollah. Uh, the presence of our troops harm Israel. They're, 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 they're a problem. It's America first, it's minimalist, and it's pro-Israel. They, they, they don't – there is never a time where if Israel had one interest and America had another one, I would go with a foreign country. It's just I don't see where there's conflict there. Um, you know, I think we have American hostages there. So, you know, obviously the State Department is, uh, you know – they have so many relations with Hamas, especially under the Biden admin. So maybe kind of call that in and use it. Um, obviously, we need to be getting people out of there, which bizarrely the State Department's not doing. Uh, the Florida governor and a Florida rep uh, did is announced they're doing it on their own. So that's an issue. Um, but I mean, the notion that the Hamas massacre was faked, I mean, I, I you know, it. There, there's 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 no evidence of that. And, um, you know, I'm just a little bit shocked that people who call themselves religious Christians, some of them, that they'd be floored that jihadists would do that. I mean, it's it's in the Bible. It's in the prophecies. And, you know, as as people who claim to believe in our religions, our respective religions, I think we could appreciate, you know, Hamas believes in theirs. I think the secular left has trouble with it, like. I don't understand, but but don't you want what's good for your children? We'll give you a bunch of U.N. aid and, you know, it's a poverty issue. I mean, people forget bin Laden's network. These were the wealthiest dudes around. I mean, it wasn't a poverty upward mobility issue. They believe in their cause. I mean, and I think we just need to again, I think we need to understand we face tyranny, but we face anarcho anarchy, too. And both flow from corrupt Western governments. Daniel, let me uh, quickly wrap up here. I got one final question. It may be a tiny bit silly, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's a good question. But uh, quickly, do, do this, these events make me long for Donald Trump even more? Am I wrong for feeling that way? I mean, again, obviously, the path forward in terms of, you know, when you have another choice in a primary, um, DeSantis versus Trump, that's something personally people will have to decide, obviously, versus Biden. I mean, yeah, I mean, there's no question. And certainly I was a bigger fan of Trump's foreign policy than I was uh, domestic, his domestic policy, spending, you know, the budget fights, the growth of government, COVID, things like that. Um, and, and really even immigration until, you know, it was only COVID that shut down the border flow. But foreign policy, speaking of what we talked about, I think he had peace through strength, meaning it wasn't pacifist. It really wasn't. But it wasn't this nonsense and didn't get us embroiled in a big war, but used soft power to make the right alliances. And we literally had, you know, we had for the first time the Abraham Accords, like the Sunni governments were like, we don't want this Muslim Brotherhood crap. We don't want this and got everyone together, isolated Iran. Biden literally got in there and undid that and just united everyone against Israel. That's what that's what he did. I mean, it's it's on. Oh, and by the way, I should add 
the underpinnings of that was the, the Obama administration. Iran is not a grift or a strategic alliance. It's an ideology. This is something that's very important. Obama hated Israel for the same reason as BLM. He had that anti-colonial mentality. It was in his blood. It was a big thing. And that's why he settled up to Iran. Um, and, and that's the thing. Israel is not a matter of wear a mask, get a vaccine, do this, do that. Just stay the hell away. Just stop stop funding Iran, stop handcuffing them, stop telling them what they can do. And then let's learn the lesson of what happened to their people and make sure it doesn't happen to our own. That's the thing. I understand we don't like this just like endless emoting online, like, whoa, okay, where is this coming from? Where are you headed? Watch that. Where is it headed? And I'm not seeing anyone say, all right, American soldiers need to go to Israel. No, I mean, Israel likes to fight their own wars. They're not asking for that. Um, you know, I, I think we believe in the Bible. Those who, who bless Israel are blessed. Those who are cur cursed, Israel are cursed. We understand the jihadists. We understand what's good and evil. I think what did indeed occur is shocking to a lot of people. And I think even the left is like, whoa. I mean, because in their mind, they couldn't understand this. So I think it's just, look, I mean, this was insane. Um, this was a Rwanda-style genocide in a first world country. And that's what I want your listeners to understand. That can and will happen here if we don't find some way to fix our government or or you know, in the red states, at least create some some sort of, you know, parallel universe where we could have our own security, whether it's border, whether it's the visas, whether it's the domestic unrest. Um, you know, th that is we, we got to watch out for that subversion. You rot out. I, I don't have the quote in front of you. I wish I did. But the Muslim Brotherhood explanatory memorandum, Google it, explanatory memorandum, 1991. And they basically say the goal of the Muslim Brotherhood is to subvert the miserable infidels by their own hands. And you, that, that's literally what they've done. They do it through migration. They take advantage of the openness and they subvert and subvert and subvert the explanatory memorandum. Um, again, uh, BLM, this is nothing new. I've watched this for years. At every Antifa BLM rally, they talk about Palestine. It's, it's an obsession. It's not just now. I think people are just shocked that they would endorse something like this. It's real. I mean, this is what they these guys believe in. And, um, you know, the the tragic irony is that under Trump, there was beginning to be a reawakening and enlightenment among Arab leaders like Al Sisi in Egypt, where they're like, we, 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 we don't want this Muslim Brotherhood stuff. So you know what's been happening, ironically? This is the most perverse thing. We're getting the refugees from Islamic countries that the Muslim leaders don't freaking want them because they're so haywire. And they, they, could, they could find a refuge in the West because they could do their things. Uzbekistan, they have kind of these Soviet-style – they're Muslim, but they're more Soviet-style leaders. They repress them. They don't allow them to grow beards. So – We've had a lot of Uzbeki, the Zarnayev brothers, the Boston bombers. There's a, we've had hundreds of thousands, by the way, the diversity visa lottery. We need to get rid of it. It's a big, 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 big problem. Um, we basically take every other country's crap. I mean, they don't want them. And, and notice, by the way, there's always been one solution to the Israeli-Arab conflict, one solution. Because what do you do when one side's willing to, you know, I, I'll live with you and the other side's, I'll kill you. They ultimately need to be offered voluntary transfer out of there. You know, regardless of whether Israel flattens Gaza or not, they live a horrible life there. They're never going to give live a good life under the jihadists. Why, if you took a fraction of the EU, UN, US funding, they are the most subsidized people per capita in the history of humanity. If you took a fraction of them and resettled them into the Arab land 640 times greater than the size of Israel. It would be better for them. It would be better for everyone. And then, the, you know, those who want to remain in Israel behave themselves. 
there's no one, you know, that's great. There's two million Israeli Arabs living in pre-67 Israel and, you know, they're citizens, they vote, it works out. There's no reason that can't happen. But but ultimately, Gaza and Judea and Samaria need to be under Israeli control. That's something they need to work out. But our government should not be interfering in that. Um, but there's one reason it doesn't happen. These countries don't want them. They don't want them. If I have a viper's nest, let the Jews deal with it. <laughs> we don't want it. And and that, that that's the dirty little underbelly of this whole thing. Um, I don't know if you've ever seen Pew polling of the sentiments in these places. Like 40% believe in suicide bombing. I mean, it's bad. I don't know what you do with that. It's bad. I mean, this is what they got to deal with. Um, but our lesson is... Do you take 100,000 people from Afghanistan, which we did two years ago with the Biden pullout, where, you know, 95 percent believe in Sharia, majority believe in imposing it on non-Muslims and 39 percent believe, according to Pew 2013 poll, suicide bombing is justified. You are bringing it doesn't mean they're all going to be like that. But when you bring in 100,000, you're bringing in that mentality and and. 9-11 should have been about borders, visas, immigration, culture, subversion, and we made it about foreign wars. We this is not a distraction. What's going on in Israel It's important if we parlay it into the right policies. Daniel, thank you so much. Appreciate it. Uh, we'll have you back, uh, particularly because this isn't this story is not going anywhere. Thank you so much. Uh, that's Daniel Horowitz. I got a lot to think about this weekend. Daniel helped me out there a great deal. Uh, that's tomorrow. We'll see you next week. Waiting for the countdown, coming off the breakdown, standing in line for freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom No negotiation, my system, no relation We all just want to have freedom Sitting on the corner, never been alone I'm breaking my back for freedom Bless, we are living, get back We are receiving, all deceiving We all want to be free We want freedom